Welcome back to the show. Hi. Alex, not you. I'm not talking to you. Oh, okay, sorry. You're looking right at me. Well, that's because we're recording a podcast together. Okay. And we're speaking to one another. Mm-hmm. And we're in the same room. Mm-hmm. But I am actually talking to the audience, the people who are listening in their cars or on their runs or walks or if they're on horseback, perhaps. Those people. Not you. And definitely not Ivy. This is episode 70, which is crazy that we've recorded 70 That's episodes. unreal. So I don't know if we've discussed this, but when we started this podcast, Alex was super not interested in I doing it. I was not at all. Just thought it was going to be a gigantic waste of time. We didn't even buy podcast equipment because I was like, no, what we need, we need to borrow it and I'll see if I like it. I'm just going to try this on, which is like, that's a good way to, to do things. Yeah. So we don't waste money. And I hated it. And you still bought our own stuff. And look at us now. I know. I do enjoy, I do enjoy podcasts. Yeah. I like, yeah, here's, here's why I like podcasts. They're very different than Instagram because what you can do, like Instagram, you, you post things and you have opinions and you put it out, but people can like comment and they sometimes comment mean stuff, but a podcast, like you just put it out and if people don't like it. They're not going to like, I mean, they have to go way out of their way to email and be like, hey, by the way, guys, I I really didn't like this podcast. And I'm like, I also can't stand having arguments on or not arguments, debates on Instagram. Yeah. Because people can just say something and like they can just end it be like oh well we're arguing about the same thing and it's like at that point i'm like do i have to go back and retype everything i just said yeah you know at least when you're talking it's like more free-flowing you can raise your voice (laughs) you can (laughs) slap these things to get the point across in a different way yeah but over instagram you're just kind of like ah whatever there's no way there's there's instagram there's like lowercase which i guess is like just speaking normally and then there's like uppercase (laughs) And there's no in between. Like, how do you yeah. do the, like, I'm, my emotions are elevated here. I'm here. Like sometimes I guess you write in that way. Like my opinion is no longer just an opinion. It's a very strong opinion. Yeah. But very not difficult like, to get that across. Not strong enough to go all caps and yell at people online. Yeah. Yeah. It's really tough. And you know, there's that new, I, I don't know if it's new, but you can restrict people. Oh so yeah. You no longer block people. I mean, you can you can restrict them so they can comment on your stuff but nobody sees it but no one they don't know that no one sees it yeah we've restricted a few people on our account and every because like when you go into the comment section you see like so and so's the person who you restricted their name and then like they're kind of grayed out and says like restricted comment and you can actually look at it and then you can go back and like restrict it again and it's so great because they're just out there like yelling into space. They think that they're getting, they're getting I through. wonder how many, how many accounts you've been restricted on. Me? Yeah. Probably a few. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't lose sleep over that. But what you don't know doesn't hurt you. Yeah. Except when like no one likes your comment or start or like responds back and you're like, hello? <laughs> is anyone, is anyone here? <laughs> is anyone out there? I guess like I would feel that just because I have like a number of followers. But if you're in a, if it's in a, like an account that has 168 followers, they probably aren't used to getting interacted with routinely. Yeah. But, um, 
for yeah. the for the record, we don't actually have that many ca- accounts restricted. No, just like two. There's like a couple who just like every time it's like they have. I don't know what it is, but it's like they have to be like, how can I misinterpret this post? How can That's I call you they, out for they, like they read the post and they say, how can I misinterpret? Actually, they read the first paragraph and then they they find something that they find some qualifier. Yeah. That you didn't speak about and they post it. I know. It's like what what ounce of of context did they leave out and what then, about a person with diabetes like look oh like my this God, is really? not written for a person with type 1 diabetes <laughs> please so we um to change topics just got back from murnham alberta which is up north like north of edmonton where alex's family has a ranch which i told a few people that in like check-ins what are you doing this weekend oh we're going to the we're going to alex's family's ranch and they said, oh, well, that that's Alex doesn't really strike me as a rancher. And I was like, well, it's because she's not. <laughs> well, it's always in, we, we haven't been in a few years. It's been since 2019. I think we went the last time for cattle branding and didn't disappoint. Yeah. So my my mom has two sisters. One of them is an artist who lives very close to us. And then one of them married a cowboy. So it goes... An artist, a lawyer, and a large animal vet walk into a bar. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like the start of so a joke. So, yeah, my aunt, who married the cowboy, also is a large animal vet. So that works well for them. So um, she works with a lot of, like, farm, farm ranch animals, like cows and horses and, and that sort of thing. And so they have a ranch. It's actually it's Edmonton and then about an hour and a bit east of Edmonton. Oh, it's east. Yeah, you like you turn at Edmonton. I don't know. But yeah, it's farther north than Calgary. And I like, I mean, she's been up there for ages. And so then she has two kids, my cousins, who are just a bit younger than me. And they're like full blown like cowboys, cowgirl. Yeah. So they like my cousin, my the, the boy, the older one, he he runs the ranch with my aunt and uncle and his wife. And then my my cousin, the girl, um, she she doesn't live on the ranch, but she, um, like trains horses. She does like barrel, ra- barrel racing and yeah. Just and then they breeding. sell horses and stuff, mm-hmm. buy and sell horses. It's pretty, it's a pretty cool life. Very different from ours. Like, so I love, I absolutely love going to visit them. Mostly for the barn kitties. Yeah. I was going to say, is it actually going to visit but, them or is it getting to play with kittens? But I do like seeing how other, like, especially my family members, but like, how different life can be. I mean, you get, you get so stuck in what your life is and your daily day to day. And we talk to a lot of people on a daily basis and we learn about their life, but a lot of the times it's very similar to us. Yeah. Um, and so it's cool to like experience firsthand, like, well, what's your day look like? It, yeah. It's like, well, I'm going to get up and, uh, then we're going to feed the animals, horses first, then cows. Um, then we're going to go mend fences and see what animals have managed to injure themselves overnight. Yeah. That kind of thing. I did ask my, cause you go out there and the first night we, there was like a, a wiener cookout. I believe it's called a wiener roast. <laughs> a wiener roast. So we go over to my cousin's place and I was talking to his wife and I asked, she was asking about how tactic was going. And I said, well, how, how are things here? Like she actually, her family owns a ranch down south in near Brooks. So south of Al- the south of Calgary and Alberta. And she moved up to be with my cousin and 
and I was asking her about her job and I guess she used to work for a another company like an agricultural yeah sales company and she would consult like on seeding yeah she was like a, a crop consultant yeah and so I asked what about your job do you not like as a kind of a conversation starter because I have noticed like as much as I absolutely love my job um, and I've liked aspects of my previous jobs there's always something that's like I you don't like and I've come to the conclusion that with every job you just have to like like 90% of it, 80% of it. And you kind of just have to accept that 10 or 20% of it, it's going to be like, okay, I just got to deal with this BS. Yeah. And focus on the good. So my question to her was, what about this lifestyle, your work, do you not like? And she said, well, when I used to work as a consultant, I, I didn't like you know who I was working with and I had issues with not having as much autonomy and as I used to like and that sort of thing. But she goes, well, since I've quit that job and I'm working full time here at the ranch, like there's nothing. She's like, we get up, we feed the horses. And it's not like it's not work. I mean, these guys work really hard. Yeah. But I don't know to think like, wow, you could live a life where like you just like every part of it. You like pretty awesome. Literally get up and tend to your land and your animals and that's it. Like, that sounds like a pretty good day to me. <laughs> yeah. But then, excuse me, you think about what it's like in the winter. And you're like, oh, that's got to like, be tough. Minus and it gets 40. cold up there. It gets colder than it does in Calgary by a significant amount. Yeah. So. Brutal. Um, and then we, so what I thought was interesting, not that we like knew anyone at the weenie, wiener roast, weenie roast. Yeah. I don't know. Wiener roast. Um, but we got introduced to this uh, cowboy. <laughs> okay. um, I, what was his name? Do you remember? Tarek. Tarek. And like not a like super unusual name. And I didn't really like pay much mind to it. And we were, um, I think, off talking to your aunt or something. And she was like, um, she asked if we, if we had met him. And we said yes. And she said, well, do you know that he's from Dubai? And I was like, no. And so apparently, um, I just thought this was really cool. So he's he's from Dubai. His whole family lives in Dubai. And I guess um, the story is... So we were fear, we feared for our life for a moment there. <laughs> because of human rights issues? Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, but he wasn't that type of Dubaian. Dubin? Saudi Arabian? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, human... I think... Dubai it sort of exists in a little no it's still illegal there it is illegal it's very illegal to be gay in, in Saudi Arabia yeah yeah but anyways let's not get it let's save that for the next podcast okay yeah we'll talk about human rights next time um yeah so we she was telling us about him and so apparently the story is he saw some like western movie when he was younger um, I don't remember which one it was. I wish well, I had also remembered. talked to him too. I know. I, that's why I'm telling the story. So we heard this from your aunt and then we talked to him, but he watched a, a, like a Western, some sort of John Wayne or similar movie when he was younger and just really became enamored with the Western lifestyle. And if you're not aware, Calgary and Alberta as a whole is a big ranching, like cattle ranching kind of area, sort of like Texas, but up North. Um, and so I guess 
he can't, he planned a vacation to go to the, uh, Calgary stampede. He just like, he picked a big rodeo to go to. I think it was either like, uh, Calgary stampede or maybe one in like Houston or Colorado or something. So he came to stampede, loved it. Just like loved everything about it. And I guess 10 years ago, like got like packed his whole life up, which is just him like moved to Calgary with nothing, no place to live, no friends, literally just like, here I am. I'm in Cal Calgary, like made a call to a couple of, um, like ag clubs and started doing cowboy stuff. I mean, you look at this guy, like he's got the whole, like, he just looks like he belongs on a ranch. He's got the whole get up, has a horse ropes <laughs> from Dubai. He said he's he like, never I arrived. The first thing I did was I bought a truck. Yeah. And, and I went to like Lamley's and got like what I needed to look. Like yeah. <laughs> I, I like, I would love to be a fly on the wall. You just like show up and you like dress me like a cowboy. Pretty boots, much. Hat, I'm pretty sure he did that. Shirt, jeans, belt, all of it. But he said it's crazy. Cause he didn't even have like, he was like, I used to be the guy that if there was a dog walking down the street, I would cross the street to get away from the dog. Like that's how much animal phobia this guy lived with and now he rides around on a horse he has five horses um i just thought that was that's it's like crazy to hear that story like someone would just up and move their whole to life be a cowboy to be a cowboy i mean i think i mean i watch yellow stone, stone and i'm like i want to be a cowboy but then i just go back to my usual life yeah the next day yeah i mean for a moment it's like when you watch tv you think wow i could do that but no one actually does it yeah i mean obviously some people do yeah i i always used to think it was pretty wild when people would switch careers later in life like when there was an older adult in law school like what are you doing here yeah i've known a few people who have done that and they're in their like 40s and 50s mm -hmm. just completely flipped flipped careers it's a, I'm it's, like that takes a lot of, I mean, we did it, but that it just didn't, there wasn't as much like, you don't typically have like a family that you have to worry mm -hmm. about or, or you need furthering like, like a new degree. Yeah. Like going to law school as an adult, that would be like me being like, I want to be a dentist. Well, at least like, I guess theoretically you might not come out of law school with a mountain of student debt that you can't pay off. Like maybe they're using their savings to pay for law school. Yeah. So. It's just an investment. It's like it's saving up to do that thing rather than doing it and then figuring out how to pay it later. Mm -hmm. It's kind of an admirable way to go about it. Yeah. But I, I I thought that was just a great story. Yeah. And a good reminder that you're not stuck. No. I mean, like he I, I don't we didn't talk about like the economics of it. Like he probably had some like. Yeah. I mean, he was a business. Per he said I was a business person in Dubai. So it's easy to assume that somebody i mean dubai has so much money yeah you can easily i mean you can assume that he probably had a fair amount of savings to come i mean if you come and that. you buy a truck and a horse that's like yeah pr pretty significant dollars but i don't think and yeah i will say and even for us like we were in a really good spot to kind of change direction with our careers not everyone is in that has that opportunity yeah um, but that doesn't mean that you're, you're always stuck. I mean, it's the same thing in like relationships. People just, they settle and they just live with it because the thought of, of going backwards for a bit or having to restart somewhere is so fear inducing. 
Yeah. Um, There's that like sunk cost fallacy, which just says like the more into a commitment you are, it happens all the time in relationships. It's like, well, I can't get out of this relationship. I've been in it 10 years. What kind of logic is that? You're going to be in it feasibly like 30 more years. And yeah. people do that all the time with careers. Like, well, I can't go back and change. I can't not be a dentist. I went to dental school. Mm-hmm. It's like, what do you mean? You can do like. Life is long. It's short, but it, it's also can be long. Yeah. And if, but yeah. Anyway, yeah. we won't, re- as soon as we met him and had heard that story, we're like, we have to share that story. Yeah. yeah. There's that. I mean, I'm really into Seth Godin right now and he's, hu- he's huge on how impactful fear of failure can be and how we as a society have just done a terrible job at framing failure. And it's like, if we're going to strive and if we're going to like, like stick our neck out and like do something, we want immediate, like immediate guarantees that it's going to be worth the effort. And if we can't get those guarantees, like a lot of people just won't when really like life is lived in those moments where you're like, uh, I don't really know what's going to happen, but I'll try. Like that's kind of where the best moments in life are. It's like, yeah, we're going to do this. Like worst thing that happens is it doesn't work out. And what's so bad about that? Um, but yeah, I thought that was a really neat, really neat story. Yeah. Um, all right. What are we talking about today? Um, we're going to talk about three fitness slash nutrition misconceptions. Number one, do I want to list them all or just start with number one? Oh, we'll just start with, we'll start, we'll go down the list. Okay. Yeah. And so this one was, I was reading, so I follow this guy on Instagram. His name's Jordan Syatt. He's got it like a million followers and he has a very similar message to us. It's kind of like, keep it basic, keep going. Like weight loss is slow. Basics of lifestyle are going to get you there type thing. I don't think he, he doesn't do like one-on-one coaching, but um, his message is great. Anyways, he does a lot of like ask me a question. So I was reading an answer to one the other day. And the question was, why do you say that women won't get bulky lifting weights when all of these CrossFit women are so bulky? And so he had a lot of things to say, like, well, you know, there's genetics and, you know, these, these women are training a lot, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes into say like, but, and I don't want to get into like steroid talk here, but he did say something that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And that's like, you know, a lot of not like, you know, a lot of those elite CrossFitters are, are taking steroids. And to me, I'm like, really? <laughs> are we back here? But anyways, it, it kind of sp- spurred a conversation between me and Meredith about the misconception of women thinking that they're going to get bulky if they start lifting weights. Yeah. I've had someone say that to my face, like when back when I was running that gym, like I had a, a member walk, like a prospective member walk up and it was just, it was someone who, who was new to CrossFit, like maybe like middle-aged female, probably just super toxic relationship with her body and food. And she basically just walked in and started like pointing at people in the gym, like that she wanted to look like. And then to my face was like, you know, and you look great. No, like, no, no, like nothing against you. But like, I don't, that is, that is not what I want. (laughs) And I was like, are you fucking kidding me right now? (laughs) Lady, you couldn't look like me if you tried. Well, that's, that's part, that's, that's most of the argument. Right. And that's not to say that, like, sure, there are people out there who take steroids and performance enhancing drugs. Like, that's not a CrossFit thing. That's like 
that's a fitness industry thing. Mm-hmm. Like people go to Globo gyms and do that. There are people on Instagram selling like PT programs that do that because it makes their program easier to sell. It's like people selling supplements do that. Like it's not a CrossFit thing. At least, at least there's drug testing and CrossFit at the elite level. Um, I'll just say one thing about that. CrossFitters work incredibly hard. Yeah. Like they're the people at the top. They don't have jobs. Their job is to train and recover. There's no balance. There's no balance. Like the reason, and then also they have the genetic, like it's, they're built for it. And then they optimize that potential. That's how you get to the top of the sport now because it's so competitive. It's like you, those saying, saying like that those people are taking steroids. Just, it bothers me because I know how hard these girls work Mm -hmm. and saying that they're taking steroids it's just, it's, why? <laughs> you don't know for sure that they're doing it. Like, it takes away from their effort. Yeah. And the 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 athletes that they, they are. Yeah. It's like, oh, they just take steroids. No, they don't. Have you ever put or seen a racehorse standing next to a non-racehorse? Have you seen that? No. The difference is, like, jaw-dropping. Why? Because that horse gets worked day in and day out. It does one thing and it trains to run fast. And so it it looks like a beefy athlete of an animal compared to a horse whose, you know, one job, job is to, to eat grass and like walk around and do trail rides and stuff. It's completely different. That's like, that's the difference. Like these people, they live and and breathe and sleep and eat to do one thing and that's that's train and exercise and be the like be at the top of the sport like yeah there have been some instances of people taking steroids but to say that most one like you know the top elites are taking steroids to get there is so annoying yeah i remember once someone said like oh someone said that they think you're taking steroids Mm -hmm. it was at my my local gym and i was like seriously yeah it just takes away from the effort you put in I think I'm, you're only good because you cheat. That's basically what you're saying. <laughs> you're not, it's like, you don't say like, oh, that person's does well on exams because they cheat. They bring in a little cheat book. Yeah. They put all the answers in their calculator before they show up. That's so stupid. It's like, no, that person studied their ass off. Yeah. You don't see people like go ask any CrossFit athlete, like top level, like regionals level, semifinal level, games level, when the last time they went out and got hammered was. Yeah, or when they got less than nine hours of sleep, fewer than nine hours. Yeah, they don't. Like they, their whole life revolves around that, which is great. That's how you do that. That's how you end up looking like that. But like if you go in the gym and you pick up a barbell, that's not going to happen. And so like PED, steroid talk aside, like there's a lot of, of science that goes into like resistance training and training to be at the top of any sport, but definitely a strength sport. Like most people like straight up, they can't work hard enough for long enough to ever have results like that. Like you have to be kind of okay with doing the exact same type of training for years at a time. Yeah. And training like what most people screw up is they don't, they don't try hard enough when they are training. Like, they don't go anywhere near failure on resistance exercises. They do like five, six, seven, 
you know yeah. like if you're not about to pop an eyeball out it's not gonna work yeah <laughs> like that's like the whole the thing about like running you want most of your running training you want most of your aerobic work to be easy strength training is the opposite of that yeah that doesn't mean you need to be going for one rep maxes but it means when you're doing sets of five eight ten twelve even up to 20 reps like the last couple of reps it should be like oh yeah this is kind of all i have like maybe i could do one or two more if i really had to but this is this is it you should need like 90 seconds to three minutes to recover between sets like you should not be able to repeat these efforts indefinitely people don't do that they don't structure their training in that way they just go and they they walk into a global gym and they're like, well, I guess I'm I'm gonna do legs today. I'm gonna go do twelve different machines, like some some amount of reps. I don't know how much weight. Like there's just there's not the structure, there's not the consistency, and they don't do it for a long enough time. Yeah, and there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with exercising for health and moving your body for health. No, but assuming that you're going to walk into a gym and instantly grow these ginormous muscles, is a misconception. There are people who want to grow muscle. Like they come into the gym and they're like, I want to look like that. Yeah. And you're like, sweet. I love that you like want to get strong. And they're like, how much, how long? Six months? <laughs> and you're also like, what? No. That person has been, has been lifting weights since they were 12. Legit. Like you can't just walk, like you're not flipping through a catalog of body types and you're like, all right. <laughs> I want to look like this person in six months. Yeah. Not going to happen. Never going to work like that. I've said this on this podcast before, but I'm always like form follows function. So when someone says, I want abs, like my response is, okay, when you can do 25 toes to bar and broken, come see me. When you can do 100 GHD sit-ups in five minutes, come see me. When you can prep and plan all your meals for six months straight. That too. Come see me. I mean, there's two, there's two sides of the coin there yeah. but it's it's like i really want th- i want that person's ass it's like all right come and see me when you can squat 250 pounds and even still like you don't have that person's ass yeah. you have whatever your ass looks like when you train exactly. it and you better be happy with the way that looks because you're never going to get any better than that yeah but it's not it's like that it's they i think it's people worry that well i think there's still a form follows function like people will agree with that Yes. But it's like they really underestimate the gravity of the function required to achieve a form. Yeah. Exactly. There's a reason why elite runners, like genetics aside, all kind of look similar. There's Mm -hmm. a reason why rock climbers, genetics aside, at the top level, all look similar. Like gymnastics, same. CrossFit at the elite level, same. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's what you do shapes the way that you look or shapes the way that your body can express your genetics. That's it. Yeah. But there are some people who, no matter how hard you train, like you're not going to have calf muscles. That's genetics. Mm -hmm. Abs, exact same thing. Like when I was in like the best shape I've ever been in, you want to know how many abs you could see on me? Zero. Four. (laughs) I only have four abs. I know. It's weird because, yeah, I think people, I want abs. I want your abs. I mean, I see people, I'm like, I want their legs. But the fact of the matter is I could do exactly the same thing that they're doing on a daily basis. I mean, arguably for a while there, we basically were doing the exact same training Mm -hmm. and we looked similar, similar type bodies, approximately the same weight. Looking closely, we very different and that's all genetics. Yeah. Extremely different. But I think this, 
fear of getting bulky for starters to each their own I don't really care if you want to be bulky or don't want to be bulky it's like your decision on what you want your body to look like um but the fact of the matter is like most women out there and honestly men are not going to get bulky no the problem though is that the fear of that look or the fear of well I don't want to lift weights because I don't want my arms to get really big or I don't want my midsection to get big that keeps a lot of people out of the gym that keeps them from doing resistance training when like everybody but especially women for like for bone health and aging health concerns like need to be doing resistance training they need to be doing it and if you do the right amount of it like if you just if you do it three times a week three or four times a week in conjunction with whatever your preferred sport is or aerobic exercise, you're not going to get bulky, but you will be extremely healthy, less prone to injury when you get older and probably just like feel better in your body. You'll get to eat more because you'll have more muscle mass, even if it's not like a gigantic amount of muscle mass that, you know, you go hulking down the road. Like that's not what's going to happen. And even if that were to like, even if that were to start to happen, there's an easy way to reverse it and it's just do a little bit less, do a little bit less. Yeah. I mean, it's like you always say, changing your body isn't like taking a quick turn on a speedboat. It's like turning a yacht around. You got to start you turning that bitch like early <laughs> and you got to hold that wheel. Cause yeah. it's going to try to straighten itself out. You went, uh, no, not today. Yeah. And you're going to know if you've, you, you're going to know that you're turning around before you've turned around. Yeah, exactly. It's the same thing with weight gain or weight loss. Like you're going to know what's happening before it's too late. Yeah. Well, yeah. I know what you mean. Ish. Ish. I guess if you're in <laughs> denial, then maybe not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, 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 you don't go, holy Jesus, <laughs> I've gained 30 pounds. Oh, I know. But I guess you do, but that's because of the crazy I thing is like, describe that so phenomenon. I've, I've been doing strength training. I've been doing CrossFit seriously. I mean, because as, as soon as I stepped in the door to CrossFit gym, I was doing it seriously because that's just how I do things. But I've been doing it since 2012, June 2012. We're coming up on 10 years. Ooh, really soon, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I look back at pictures of myself from like 2014, even 2015. And I'm like, where are your muscles? <laughs> and I, w- I thought like 2015, like 2014, 2015, I was like, hell yeah, I'm Jack. <laughs> but I look back and I'm like, what? where's the rest of you? I, I was... I posted a video the other day of me doing the snatch in 2014 yeah. and open workout. And I was like, Oh my God, I would not be able to fit into those clothes. No. So it takes a long time. I mean, I, I think, yeah, just, just looking back and I'm not a, like a big person, but I'm fairly like, I guess muscular for my size. That's 10 years, 10 I think years, about like 2015, 2014, when I was getting good at CrossFit, good enough to qualify for the games back then. It's been seven years since then. And it's not seven years. I'm speaking for both of us. It's not seven years of, and I would, I would actually say like, we were probably the most muscular we've been in like 2019, 2020 for the two of us. Yes. Between then, that's like four or five years. Yeah. And that's not four or five years of working out three times a week at the Globo gym. That's like, I don't know. What's five times 50? I mean, think 10, 250 days of like working out double day so that's 500 workouts per year so that's like oh almost 3,000 
high intensity, heavy workouts. Yeah. And then combined with that, like dialed in nutrition, optimizing recovery, going for a massage, sleeping over eight hours every night, not drinking alcohol, not drinking. I barely have had a drop of alcohol since university. Yep. Like that's, and I'm not even that bulky. No. Well, you look at someone like Brooke, you look at Tia, you look at these girls who are actually like have a ton of muscle mass on their bodies and it's like that, but even more. Like no one walking into a CrossFit gym fearing that you're going to get bulky is going to get bulky. It's just not the way it works. No. You have to actually try to get bulky. You're not going to just happen to get bulky. You're not going to go for a sweat and get bulky. Yeah. Yeah. I just, that's, uh, to me, when I read that, I was like, is that even still a thing? Oh, it's for sure a thing. I guess I just, my community is mostly CrossFit based. Yeah. Where there's more of an understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Or our, our followers or whoever, they come to us. So I'm only exposed to people who know better. No offense. But I, I read that. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, really? <laughs> are we not past this? Oh, I don't. Sometimes I get, I start working with people who are from like sort of the bodybuilding, like non-CrossFit realm. And they say stuff. I'm like, sweet Jesus, you have absolutely no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. But yeah, that kind of, that kind of misinformation is like really perpetuated still yeah both online and then also in in gym and like in person communities so Mm -hmm. um that one feeds nicely into number two uh which is cardio is the best way to manage your body composition and lose fat which is again another one that i hear all the time from people what type of cardio is best for losing fat i'm like um the weightlifting kind (laughs) Mm -hmm. and that's um I, i don't know where this one comes from i think because you feel like you look at endurance athletes and you look at runners and they're quite lean. Usually obviously don't carry around a lot of body fat, but also like when you think about it, cardio machines and even more recently wearable devices, garments, whoops, Fitbits, that kind of thing. They track, they give you like calories per hour when you do cardio. So there's this like understood predictable rate of calorie use, calorie burn during training, even though there's a huge amount of error on that, it does give people the idea like if I'm doing cal cardio that I'm actively burning calories which yes but that's the same for any kind of exercise um so I think I think that's where it comes from maybe you sweat more when you do it maybe it's outside so you're sweating more I think people I mean this is a separate misconception but it might tie in the more you sweat the harder you're working or sweat correlates with more calories Mm -hmm. it's like um No. no And also, yeah, I think it kind of goes into the whole like calories in versus calories out. So I think it it is that thing where like you see the number of calories you're burning. Yeah. Where like you can't really do that when you're. I mean, if you wear a whoop or a Fitbit or whatever watch you're wearing Garmin and you, you squat five by five, you're not going to burn that many more calories than you do just walking around. It's going to be like you burned 56 calories. I know. So <laughs> instead of doing 30 minutes of cardio where you burn 350 calories. I mean, I, I don't know. If you might burn 350 calories in 30 minutes of cardio. I don't even know how many calories I burn. I My Garmin tells me how many calories, but I don't really believe it or no. look at it because it's not based on me necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's no indication of my fitness or like what I'm going to eat that day. Yeah. But I think it, it, for some people, they see that number, like you said, and it's like, oh, I'm burning calories. If I burn more calories, that means I lose fat. Yeah. Which, okay. Uh, maybe, maybe yeah. not. But then when you, there so is we, something to that. Yeah. 
I mean, it, it just goes to, to energy balance, but also you, people run the risk of offsetting that quite easily after they do a hard cardio workout and they read on their watch, Oh, I've burned 800 calories. When in reality you, you burn more like maybe 480, but you eat as if you've burned 800. And so there goes your calorie balance from exercise. It's just negated. That yeah. happens. It's pretty frequent. I mean, we've done posts on why you don't lose weight doing CrossFit. Yeah. Cause it jacks your hunger up. Jacks your hunger up. It's really a s- very, very small percentage of your day. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, you exercise for 15 minutes, like out of 16 hours of being awake, 15 minutes, sometimes yeah. not even 15. You stand around, you warm up, you do your practice lifts, you do a five by five or two by two front squats, and then you do a workout for seven minutes. Like that's hardly anything Yeah. in the grand scheme of your entire day, which are sitting on your ass at work, stressed to the gills. Yeah. I mean, like, you think that's going to make a difference? No, not really. Or even like a 20 minute run. Like, yes, I love that you're working out, but like, it's not that big of a, a yeah, I mean, drop in the bucket. The, what, what's important to say is it's not, there's still a lot of value in doing that uh, yes. from like a health and a body perspective. And it can, it can change your body in really good ways, but it doesn't really impact nutrition that or much. Or calorie expenditure. Yeah. And that's the, the catch. Like if someone has a sedentary job like they sit most of the day and then they do a one hour crossfit class they're still sedentary Mm -hmm. like that doesn't change anything but i think that the answer to that or the the misconception there is not accounting for body composition you mean lean muscle mass yeah yeah and so before we get into the muscle mass which i think is the biggest part of the conversation like in order to get to muscle mass again we go back to the getting bulky strength training thing when you compare strength training to like resistance exercises to like running or cardio, the post-exercise oxygen consumption, that's like essentially what your air quotes metabolism is doing after you exercise. It's way more active after you do strength training. So your oxygen consumption is way up. You're going to be burning more calories at rest. You're going to be burning through more fat at rest than you, you would if you did a, like a long, slow, steady, like endurance piece. And, um, that kind of goes to just the cost of building muscle and how metabolically active lean body mass is compared to fat mass. So that's really like when we talk about cardio for body composition and also fat loss, like a person who has more lean mass on their body because they do resistance training is going to have a much easier time uh, burning fat than someone who has a lower fat, like lower lean body mass, just at rest. Person with the higher lean mass is going to burn more calories. So they've got a larger path to walk with regards to energy intake. Um, runners and especially people who run to make, to like change their body. Cause there's obviously when we say runners, that's probably the most popular f- like fitness activity in the world. I think, do you think that's right? I think you could just say cardio. Cardio. Yeah. Running's just really accessible. So a lot of people do it. It's free. You buy shoes, you go out and run. It's great. I love running, but a lot of people do it specifically to change the way that their body looks. Um, and it does really increase hunger quite a lot. Um, when you're restricting your calories at all, while you do it, it tends to jack up cortisol quite a bit. And so that's going to have a negative impact on lean body mass. And then the more you run, the more your body kind of assesses itself. And it's like, Hmm, well, I'm toting around all this muscle that I don't need to have on my frame. So then it becomes even more catabolic and it's like, let's get rid of some muscle because then we'll be lighter, right? Um, 
because your body is sort of when you look at like when you consider your energy balance like your your energy um potential as a human muscles metabolically active like fat's not you can store fat but your body and your brain really don't have any idea how much fat you have on your body it's not doing math like while we have you know 30 pounds of fat mass that means we have this many stored like kilocalories of energy but it is more aware of how much muscle you have on your body because it's metabolically there it's contributing to the system in an active way so like runners start to sort of get rid of muscle and so you actually sometimes see people who visually start to look kind of like worse as they run like they become kind of a I wish there was a better phrase to use but skinny fat sort of comes to mind where like yeah you're getting smaller but like not visually any leaner because lean lean body like at best lean body mass and total body mass are declining at the same rate so you're just coming like a smaller version I want it, and I don't like commenting on people's body, but to paint the picture, it's like you take a 5,000-meter runner from the Olympics and you compare that against, like, a decathlete. Yeah. So it's like they're both really lean, probably close to the same, if not less, body fat on the decathlete. But the decathlete's bigger because they have more muscle. Yeah. And they're probably leaner because they have more muscle. Yeah. And this, it kind of like a caveat to that people who just want to lose weight to reduce their body fat percentage. Like that's, they're like, I want to lose weight so that I'm, I'm 10% body fat. Um, if that's the approach and it's someone who's not already like, like has a high training age or, or does any amount of resistance training, like, yeah, you know what, you can do that. But like, you're going to look extremely gaunt when you get there because you're going to like, you're not going to retain a ton of muscle mass while you drop body, you're going to lose muscle mass. Like, yeah, you're going to lose body fat too. Whereas if the same person were to say, I want to be 10% body fat, but I want to gain muscle mass to do that. That's way easier. Also the the first person who just wants to lose weight to be 10% body fat is not going to be able to eat very much food at all. Oh, it's a miserable experience. It would be awful. Yeah. Whereas the person trying to gain muscle to lose fat actually can can continue to eat and fuel their body. Yeah. Assuming that they're not doing only running as their primary mode of yeah. exercise. Like that, that yeah, requires have a to, yeah. shift in training methodology. But, um, yeah, I think that's the kind of the, there is definitely a, a place for cardio. Like people are like, well, what's the best exercise? Like all of it. Oh, I know. Cause like you still have your, like your heart health to be Mm -hmm. concerned about. Like you do want to elevate your heart rate a number like 30 minutes a few times a week and that's cardio. But there's this like, again, internet and just people in general, they love to get in their camps and they love to fight. There's this whole thing like, well, you can't do weight training because weight training impacts cardio performance. We can't do cardio because cardio impacts weight training. Well, they've actually figured out that they don't really impact each other that much at all, especially if you do them on separate days or in separate, separate sessions during the week. And a lot of times weightlifters will actually get better when they start doing cardio um, because they don't have such a hard time in like long sets. And then again, it kind of goes to just like general and overall health, which is important. Like zone two. I hate when people say zone two. Okay. I I honestly, I'm saying that as a question because I don't really, I'm not really too familiar with the zones. 
yeah the heart rate zones no because i don't train like that and i never have what's weird because some like peloton has their specific brand of it but sometimes you'll see like zone one through four but then sometimes you see zone one through five but anyways all heart all zone two means is a, a certain it's a certain percentage of your one rep max of your sorry not one rep max one rep max heart rate it's a certain percentage of your max heart rate and it when you're in that zone it's um it's i guess you're burning it's more of a fat burning type situation long slow steady it's base building um but i think just people have a misconception of how it works so cardio is not best for fat loss no even it's though not. you burn more calories per minute well you don't even you you burn more calories per minute while you're looking at it while you're doing it but across the day questionable yeah um i think it gets into there's that whole like the swimmer's body fallacy which james smith just talked about on a little video that he did which is essentially um you know you have a person who they look at a weightlifter and they say well i don't want to look like that person and then they look at a like endurance runner and they say well i don't look like that person and then they look at a swimmer and they think well that swimmer has a really nice body i want to look like that person so they start swimming and then they swim for a year two years to get out of the pool towel themselves off they look in the mirror and they think well i don't look anything like that person and i've been doing this for a year or two years what gives and it's because people like they they fail to appreciate the fact that perhaps the swimmer doesn't look the way that he does because he swims he looks the he he swims because he looks the way he does there's a genetic predisposition to look and perform a certain way and that can inform sport choice especially at an elite level it's both yeah i mean there's there's form follows function but also like there are some athletes who are just born to be the athletes that they are it's like this is going to be an extreme example but i think it paints the picture take a basketball player yeah you don't start and this is this is actually to some degree i mean there's varying percentages of fat like factors like how much a factor plays into it like obviously a swimmer looks a certain way because he swims more than a basketball is player is tall because they play basketball but it it is it is similar to say like well i'm gonna play basketball because i want to be taller yeah it's like well you might like get better at basketball you might your like athleticism might improve but you're not going to get any taller yeah yeah like you might get you might get like arm muscles or however you'd like to describe basketball players like you might get big grow calves because they jump a lot yeah but like you're not gonna you're never gonna look like that because you're not first for starters you haven't been doing it for like 25 years but you also the person at the top is at the top partially because they've been doing it for so long, but also because they're genetically predisposed. Yeah. I mean the same, you can make the same argument that, you know, someone does not become hyper analytical with a high attention to detail because they are a lawyer. They are a lawyer because they have a high attention to detail and are hypercritical, hyper analytical. Mm -hmm. It's like that. It's exactly like that. So it's just, it makes chasing, like body types by doing specific types of exercise, kind of a ridiculous concept, especially as a, like a adult. There's always going to be that nature versus nurture argument, but I think we can all agree that it's, there's both. 
Yep. And if you only have one or even both to only a certain degree, that doesn't mean you're going to be that person, look like that person or perform to that person's level. Yeah. Yep. That's good. What's number three? Number three is, and this is kind of, it flows nicely. Losing fat and burning fat are not the same thing. Yes. The difference between fat burning and fat loss. And this one's like, this is the one that you see come up a lot. And I guess it does kind of go into that zone two kind of fat burning zone. Um, People think if they do fat burning zone exercise that they're going to lose fat faster. And that could not be further from the truth. So that the, like in, in the most simple terms, fat burning simply describes what substrate your body is using to create, to create energy. And when you're at like very low intensity, your, your body is going to use stored fat because it's slow. It's readily available it gets to save your glycogen and your stored glucose for moments when you're like, ah, and you need to run, <laughs> you know, like that's, that's that evolutionary mechanism. You use the slow energy source when you're at lower intensity. So you, you preserve your fast acting for moments when you need fast acting energy. Um, but the, it like doing fat burning exercise, I mean, Walking around the neighborhood is a fat-burning exercise. Sleeping is a fat-burning exercise. Doing dishes, all of that stuff burns fat. Like, that's just, that's that's what your body does at those intensities. It doesn't mean that fat is your preferred energy source. It's not. In fact, the fact that your body is using fat at those low intensities is proof that fat is not your preferred energy source. Carbs are, which is why your body works so hard to preserve them. When your heart rate give, gets above a certain intensity, when you're doing exercise, like for the most part between, I guess not the super fast stuff. So we'll call it 30, like faster than 30 seconds is going to be like AT, ATP and creatine. Fewer than like, like, li- like weightlifting. Yeah. Weightlifting, like super fast. Anything sprints. like anaerobic. Yeah. Like a hundred meter sprint. Yes. Yeah. Is usually the... But even Example, that starts to become a little bit glycolytic. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. But when you... Like doing a muscle up. Yeah. Not under any fatigue. Yeah. Uh, a, ma- a box jump. Mm-hmm. A squat. Those are not using... That's, that's stored energy. That's ATP. When you start working in longer durations, but not super long, like 30 seconds to, let's call it 90 minutes. Carbs carbohydrates stored carbs are the preferred energy source and usually that's because your your heart rate elevates and your respiratory rate increases and carbs just work a little faster like they're like it, it takes half as half as much time to mobilize stored carbohydrates and get that going to you to produce atp than it does to mobilize triglycerides and store stored fat to get that going to oxidation it's literally half the time which is why your body likes to use those um as far as fat loss goes what you're doing for exercise, what whether you're in fat burning zone or you're doing glycolytic carb burning exercise is like pretty much completely irrelevant because fat loss has nothing to do with substrate u- utilization and everything to do with energy balance. So you can be doing 
you could be on the Stairmaster doing zone two for four hours a day, just burning fat, burning fat, burning fat. But if you're eating more than you're burning, you're not going to lose any fat. You can, be, you can do all the fat burning exercise in the world, but it's not going to affect your body fat stores if you're still over consuming anything. Protein, carbs, fat, it doesn't matter what you're eating. When we talk about like when you, when you want to lose fat, now you need to be oxidizing fat, but also like carbohydrates and just using energy faster than you have fat deposition occurring. So faster than you're storing fat. Burn more than you store. But just because you're burning carbohydrates because you're doing higher intensity exercise doesn't mean you're not also... Like you could burn all carbs, primarily carbs, and lose fat. Yeah, because remember what happens after you exercise. Your body continues to require oxygen to recover metabolically. And when you're at rest... Remember, this was the post-exercise oxygen consumption. Do you think your body requires carbohydrates to do that? No. It requires fat. So you literally are burning fat at rest after doing high-intensity exercise, whether it's weightlifting, CrossFit, running, doesn't matter. You're, like That is occurring to some degree, and you're burning fat. Um, there's some like nuance with the extent to which we raise insulin. Like People who eat a high-fat diet let's say keto, for example, like actually actual keto, not you are in ketosis. Yeah. You're eating 70% fats, like 5% carbohydrates and 25% protein, like legit keto. When you eat like your blood sugar, your, your insulin is not going to elevate like it does on a like moderate or high carbohydrate diet. And some people say like, well, when you do that and then your body doesn't like doesn't store fat doesn't store what you're eating to the same, like at the same readiness that it, that it would if you're eating carbohydrates and your insulin is up, right? Because insulin is a storage hormone. And that's like, that's true, but they've kind of figured out that the difference in stored energy is only like, it's like less than 5%. So you're still storing because your body has to store energy. Like that's the reason why you can, like, that's the reason why you're alive is because you have stored energy, whether it's, um, whether it's fats like triglycerides, whether it's carbohydrates like glycogen in your liver and your muscles, like you're storing energy somewhere. So it doesn't really like have a big impact. The obvious caveat is like people who have diabetes. <laughs> okay. Question for you. I think this answers the question. I don't know if this will be a question. This kind of answers the question of like, why we shouldn't be afraid of carbs. Carbs don't make us. Okay, so what's the question? So where does this obsession of eating fat and burning fat and this fear of carbs come from? Um, I think it's, it's, it's misinformation from, or it's, it's inappropriately represented information from Gary Tobbs. Well, Gary, yeah, like that whole group, they're trying to sell books, but also... Like we've seen it, we've seen iterations of this from like from government, from Health Canada, from the USDA. We've seen like I think I think what's going on is people are aware that there's a problem. Like everyone can look around them and see like shit. We have a problem with with obesity, and I don't like I'm. This is not to say that like skinny normative. Like you have to be skinny to be healthy and successful. Like that's not what I'm saying here. I mean. 
the rates of like chronic disease caused by obesity. That that is a problem. People can look around and see it. And the reality is it's it's like it's not fat that's the problem. It's not carbs. It's the combination. But like to say to people, yeah, like the problem is hyper palatable, easy to consume, ultra processed foods that tend to contain like low, low protein, high carbs, high fat, high sugar, high salt, low water content, like concentrated calories and tertiary food processing. Like that is the problem. I have a client who has, he's, he's fearful of carbs, making him fat. He's a really lean person. Like he'll wake up so hungry and he will eat beans or like eggs. Something that's like, I mean, beans have carbs, but they're like, like he, he will not eat a bowl of cereal. Cause he's afraid that the carbs are going to make, make him, fat. him fat. Well, I mean, they've done like, so if you want to single out carbohydrates and they've, I mean, there's, there's been a lot of studies on this, both in animal models, like, you know, animal models get a lot of flack for not being like totally representative and they're not, um, all of the time. But as far as feeding studies go, they're pretty good. And like rats are especially, they have especially similar palates to human beings. Um, I think the exception is they don't really like salt. So if you salt something, a rat's not going to eat it, but that's okay. You just don't salt their food. It's no problem. Um, in free feeding studies in rats and the good thing about rats and mice, but especially rats with feeding studies is you can just, you can treat such a large population. I mean, you can work with thousands of rats. So you end up with this super like statistically significant, um, body of data and they have yet to replicate obesity in rats in free feeding situations where they feed them either carbohydrates or fat. It's the combination that does it. Yeah. And that was, that's calories. Yeah. So when you combine the two, um, specifically like sugar and fat, so think kind of like donut, um, but even like French fries kind of fall into this. When you create what scientists call like the cafeteria diet, which is just like kind of a a term used to describe um, highly processed, like usually secondary or tertiary food processing combination of um, fats and carbohydrates engineered in a way to promote overeating when you give rats that in a free feeding setting, then you see obesity skyrocket. You see body fat mass go up, body weight goes up. And even though those studies are in smaller groups than humans, we like, you see the same thing. Um, and they have all kinds of ways of controlling the study in, um, in both the controlled feeding studies. So when people are in actual clinics and then also, um, like at home, like observational kind of studies, and they see the same thing when you, when you control for the type of macronutrients. So you say, okay, we're going to, um, have this group eat predominantly carbohydrates only not carbohydrates and fat. I'm talking like potatoes. Um, and we're going to have this group free feed on, you know, any combination of food they like. Um, you see body fat mass and obesity start to go up in, um, the free feeding standard Western eaters. But you give someone like free reign, eat as many potatoes and as many different combinations as you want, as long as it's not French fries and like whipped up with butter and cream and body fat mass goes down. And that's people who are eating 
like 400, 600, 800 grams of carbohydrates a day because it's all they have access to. So you can't like, you can't sit back and say carbs are the problem because they're not. And we've like, we've studied that. It's the combination. It's the diet pattern that becomes the problem. It's what happens when you can, you, you process the carbohydrate. So you remove water content, you concentrate the calories into a more dense form, and then you, you (laughs) deep fry it and cover it in salt. Mm -hmm. It's funny. I'll have, um, people or I'll, I can even speak from my own experience, like from carb loading. I, a carb load is approximately 30% more calories than you eat on a regular basis. So let's say if you're eating 2000 calories on a daily basis, a carb load, you're looking at around 3000 calories, primarily carbs. You're looking at like 500 to 550 grams of carbs. And then your fat goes down. You're looking for like a 70, 15, 15 breakdown carbs, protein, fat. So, you know, that meme with the woman with doing the math. Yeah. That's me right now. Yeah. So anyways, my point is carb loading is hard and it's not because of the fact that you're eating 3000 calories. I can eat 3000 calories in two meals. If I go to Earl's and order a salad and a, a chicken. And then later on in the day, I have a chicken sandwich with French fries. I can easily hit 3000 calories and a drink. Yep. Getting that 550 grams of carbs in requires, I wake up in the morning and I am, I am intentional about when to eat carbs and like, I have to start immediately. Like your job is eating eating throughout the whole day. And some of those carbs are, are liquid carbs drinking, but it is hard. And it's not, it's not the carbs that's it's the, the hardest part is eating carbs without fat. Yeah. And even finding carbs without fat is difficult. Like you can go and you can be like, okay, I'm going to order a rice dish because there's lots yeah. of rice. And then you're like, shoot, I can't have sauce with this. Or even protein, like you end up overeating protein by accident. It's the, it's not, it's not the, the carbs that are hard, are being over. Like it's not, those aren't where the calories are coming from. Yeah. And, but it's crazy because I have clients where I'm like, okay, you're going to eat 500 grams carbs. And they're like, what? Oh my God. Sure. Like, and I, and even it's like, how did that go? And it's like, well, it took a lot. Like I was kind of fearful. It kind of bothered me mentally to eat that many carbs, like carbs, carbs, carbs. Like, yeah, but like just last weekend you ate 3000 cal and I'm, there's nothing wrong with this. You ate 3000 calories because you went to McDonald's and then you went out and had 800 calories worth of alcohol but it's carbs that get the bad rap. Yeah. When really like carbs are your best friend. It's your body's preferred source of energy. You feel amazing when you eat carbs. Yeah. And it's not, I love when people say I feel sluggish. I feel sluggish when I eat carbs. That is like, that is your brain thinking something completely wrong. You want to feel bad when you eat carbs because you want to validate the fact that you've avoided carbs for so many years of your life. That's what it is. Usually I just say you're going to feel amazing and they're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Because that's enough to be like, but it it's crazy. Like this guy who's afraid of carbs and like, we're working on it. I'm very, I'm very sensitive to how nutrition beliefs can be just so deeply ingrained, but it doesn't matter how many studies I send him or like research or reviews or posts or anything to kind of justify like carb. Like I would say like, look at this person, look at how skinny they are and they're eating 700 grams of fat or carbs. It's like, what? How? 
because it's you should just have them eat like K. Okay, so we're going we're doing it's a meal not, plan. It's not that easy. We are doing a meal plan and um for the next three days you get to eat oatmeal and potatoes and fruit and that's it. Well that would be a little insensitive considering his Yeah, it's true. It's 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 difficult. It's difficult to, to snap people out of those long held beliefs. Like it really is. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. But um, I thought this was a productive podcast. You explained everything really well. Thanks. Yeah, I think um, we're lucky because I, 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 I do think we put out so much information online that when people do sign up, they kind of are aware of some of this um, information already. You know, the, the exception is is referrals. We've already talked about how challenging that can be. Buck and Broncos. Buck and Broncos. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean... Like, honestly, I think, um, we are, there's a, a number of people out in the online space who are doing the Lord's work and trying to like normalize some of this stuff and, and bring science and evidence and help people like, okay, yeah, um, I can, I can eat carbs. I can do weight training and I'm not going to get big and bulky. And like, I don't have to spend three hours a day on a stair master to burn fat. Like I can just eat appropriately and that will, you know, then I'll, that will help me lose fat. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's all things in moderation. I think before the internet was around and, you know, it's our tendency to get into our camps and yell on the internet, but I think the diet industry has been doing that for years. And it's like, I think it's, it's because it's so difficult, you know, it's like, Hey, we want people to control their calories. So why don't we just tell them that carbs are bad? Because if we tell them carbs are bad, then they're not going to eat donuts when really like carbs are fine, but yeah, donuts and, and, large quantities are going to be a problem or like pizza. Like, well, I can't have pizza cause I don't eat carbs. Well, I mean like what if well, you had some fruit? fruit got a bad rap. I know. Um, so I think there's, there's a middle ground here. There's a, a middle ground where carbs are not bad. Pizza and donuts should be consumed in moderation. Um, fats are obviously not your body's preferred like energy source and high intensity exercises, but still good to keep in the diet. Cause like fats do, do important things in the body too. Like you don't want to go high carb, low fat necessarily, but, um, like the answer is like, take the moderate approach and do the moderate approach for a long period of time and resist the urge to change up what you're doing. The moderate approach. If like, if you don't see results in the first month. Yeah. I, I think to answer, if somebody is fearful of carbs, um, my answer to get over that fear is, to eat carbs and control for calories for a period of time and realize nothing bad happens. Nothing changes. If anything, you're just going to feel better. You'll like you sleep can, better. You can read research all day long. You can. It doesn't, it's not going to change people. No. It's the same thing as like exercise is good for you for all these reasons. It's not like it, that doesn't click in people's brains you need to do it and be like, Oh, right. There's, it's okay. Even people who need, who are under eating, Oh, eating more is going to make me fat. Well, can we try it and see what happens most of the time? Like, what do they do? They lean out and they feel amazing. Yeah. Depending on the person. Um, but what's interesting, these people who have these misconceptions around food and macros, carbs specifically, one of the best things that I have found that helps a person is not necessarily spitting out research or saying like, oh, I have this person who eats 500 grams of carbs and look, they're skinny or they don't have very much fat on them. 
but telling the person like it's okay yeah it's gonna be okay like eating an apple is okay that seems to hit people a lot better and like sinks in more than like regurgitating research well this 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 well what about this person on the you know they say that carbs are bad well like i think the only real way to actually is is gain trust from somebody and then slowly slowly say like let's try this let's go up 10 grams of carbs and see how that feels yeah nothing's bad is happening okay let's go up a little bit more it's gonna be okay that sort of thing yeah so hopefully this has helped a little bit if you are a person there who has some carb phobia carb phobia or just like is worried about getting bulky or any of the following things that we discussed muscle phobia yep um cool thanks for wrapping that one up alex welcome yeah um thanks for listening again and uh if you like this episode share it we love when you do that and subscribe to the show send it to your friends who want to do cardio all day and not eat carbs thank you talk to you soon Oh, 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 oh,